Welcome to Co-Creation Station with Colin and Stephanie, a podcast about the law of attraction, the art of allowing, spiritual magic, and how to enjoy this strange and miraculous journey we call life. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now here are your hosts, Colin and Stephanie. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Co-Creation Station, the podcast where we talk about the law of attraction, the art of allowing spiritual magic, the mind-body-spirit connection, and how to best enjoy this mystical, miraculous, mysterious, crazy, sometimes confounding, but always incredible journey we call life. My name is Colin. I'm a teacher, tarot, oracle card reader, and I'm also a singer and guitarist in the band Red Treasure, and I am located in beautiful, sunny North Hollywood, California. Hello, everyone. My name is Stephanie Orlina. I am a transformational life coach. And I help people shift away from negative thinking. And I'm in San Diego, California. Thank you so much for listening and watching. Uh, at this time, we are posting a brand new episode every Monday morning. And we really appreciate you doing whatever your platform allows you to do to support the podcast. Liking us, following us, subscribing to us, leaving a comment, writing us a review. All of that helps other people find us. Uh, each week, we start our discussion from a different jumping off point here in Co-Creation Station. And we kind of uh, happen on a topic at the very end of the last episode last week. Um, that we kind of wanted to delve into a little bit more this week. So, um, Stephanie, did you want to talk about why you wanted to bring this topic up? or? Well, you know, in the last episode, towards the end, we were talking about how there was a experience that happened apparently mm-hmm. worldwide in, in the D&D mm-hmm. community and how the person who... I don't know. Was who is he? Colin is he a leader? Is yeah. Um, his name's Brian Foster. He um, he yeah. I mean, he was a public figure in the Dungeons and Dragons public online world. Okay. Um, there's a show called Critical Role, which is probably the most famous part of D and D, other than Stranger Things, uh, right now. Um, but Critical Role is a show online where people play D and D, and people watch them play D and D, and it's a bunch of uh, voice actors um in los angeles who played D as friends and then they started streaming it live and he is married to one of the primary uh people who play on that and then okay. so they had him um a lot of times at their live events he would be the host or the mc um and, and he's also done some interview shows with them and for them and stuff like that so and i really appreciated you sharing this story and it just reminded me you know because he was as you said, you know, we had an opportunity to all share our feelings yep. and just talk about it. And then he, he was able to say, okay, we're at, he basically was saying like, we're at this point where yep. I need to get on with our lives, my yeah. life, you need to go and, and let's change the subject basically. Yeah. Um, and I think, wow, that is super healthy. Cause I, you know, sometimes in my profession and just as a human being, I can look more at the positive and, mm-hmm. and, and, want to talk about the good and not allow myself or someone else to have their feelings. And I think it's super important for us to be able to share our feelings and let them out, express them in whatever healthy way we can do and then move on. Yeah. And that's where sometimes I, as a coach and as a friend and a, and a, you know, mother, daughter, sister, you know, aunt, um, grandmother don't allow someone that I'm with to be able to just be quiet, mm. be present, let the other person share their feelings, let it yeah. out. Cause I know for me how important that is when I allow mm-hmm. myself to do that and then move on not focus on it 
for another hour or so or for every day thereafter. Yeah. But allow myself to have the feelings and then move on. Yeah. It's super healthy. And I just really respect it. I thought, wow, what a beautiful space to have a someone in the community who's a lead or figure to yeah. come from this place of allowing others to have their feelings and then kind of directing, okay, now we're gonna we're gonna move on. Yeah. Um, and then as he said, like if something comes up, we'll discuss it and then, you know, move on again. But um and I just see how I think as a in our society you know, we've talked about the news before and how they'll perpetuate things because, mm -hmm. you know, as you said, they, they know what the, the audience wants. However, I have a choice. And um, Well, I wouldn't necessarily say they know what the audience wants. I, I think that's what gets said a lot. And there's that's an oversimplification that's dangerous because what they've tapped into is the fact they know how to like trick you know like pull people in that's what the, they the, the it's not what they need or want it's just they know how to capture yeah. their attention because our lizard brains as we say you know the, yeah. the part of our brain that evolved you know millions of years ago yeah. and is not the newest part of our brain is absolutely trained to look for dangerous threats problems you know things like that and we have phenomena that we now know from study various studies called the like the spotlight effect which hone the brain without your permission actually hones in on one problem blows it out of proportion and it, you know back in caveman cave woman times there was a reason for that if a saber-toothed tiger is suddenly attacking your cave and your family you need to exaggerate the importance so that you will focus singly on it and get all your adrenaline going and and don't do any complex thinking about like well maybe the super saber-toothed tiger is just a being like me and just wants food like me and maybe we should be friends <laughs> like that <laughs> that's going to get you dead, you know? So it, it, it blows it out of proportion. Like this saber tooth tiger is like the worst threat ever because you need that like back in those times. But the problem is now the news media largely in, at least in the United States, which is all I can really talk about. Um, they, they have, and I, it's difficult to say who they is. That's a whole other topic, but the, the decision makers at these media outlets are clearly hooked into the fact that people, you know, if you show someone a problem or a, a bad situation or a tragedy or something like that, that you're hooking into that part of the viewer's brain and the brain will trick them into thinking this is their problem and they have to focus on it to solve it somehow. That's interesting. Which puts you in a whole bunch of bad situations because number one, it's not your problem. Like there's this dissociation. I mean, I talk to people pretty regularly where they feel like a news story that's happening, you know, halfway around the world, the way they're talking about it as if is as if it is happening to them. And I'm not saying we, we do have this gift of human empathy that allows us to put ourselves in the, imagine ourselves in the position of someone going through someone, something difficult, and it can be halfway around the world and it can, or it can be next door. And that's a beautiful gift that we have as humans, but this is the media takes it to another level. Some, for some people sometimes where it's like, they feel like it's happening to them. And that is a distortion of reality at that well, point. And, that, and that's where, you know, that's where I get to choose. You know, that's where I get to pay attention to how I'm feeling. If you and have then, awareness that that's happening, that's the tough part of that. Yes, but yes, I agree. Well, and just like with him, he redirected a large group of people. And some people may have continued to talk right. about it. Right. And some probably were like, right, okay, we're going to go on. 
Yeah. And I think that's the thing is like paying attention. Is this really, cause anything I think about a lot, I'm, it's just going to grow. Yeah. And do, well, is that really what I want to put my attention on? And the thing is it, it has this spiraling out effect where, cause I've, I've encountered, I've done this myself and I've encountered other people doing it as well. It's like if someone, you know, you're, you contact a friend and you're in a good mood and you're having a great day and you contact a friend and their mother just died and, or they have a, a really horrible migraine headache or something like that. Now, again, your human empathy kicks in as it should and you feel empathy for that person. You feel like you feel bad for them in the sense that you are sorry that that happened to them or that you're sorry they're going through that. Mm -hmm. um, you wish the best for them. You know, in some ways you wish that whatever bad thing hadn't happened um, and you want to communicate that I love you, I support you, I care about you. And all of that is totally human, good, you know, support, I support it, I, yeah. I advocate for it. Yeah. The problem is some of us get to a point where it's like, oh, well, I have to feel as bad about this thing as that person that actually has it happened to them feel like, feels like about it. And that's where the distortion of reality happens. It's like, and it gets into the thing we talked about a couple weeks ago. It's like, you can't get sad enough to make someone else happy. You can't get broke enough to make someone else rich. You can't get sick enough to make someone else healthy. Like, it's important that you have that empathy and you express compassion, right. but you also maintain that it didn't happen to you so that you right. can be a stronger person at a time where they are weakened I, by something. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's really lovely when, um, you know, cause sometimes when I have felt bad, I have a friend who in the past I would just call her and mm -hmm. say, you know what? I just, just tell me something good. I just want to hear about what's going on in your life. Like, I don't even want to think about whatever I've been thinking about for hours. I just want to get out of my head and I just want a, a fresh perspective on anything else. And so I'll just, and, and I remember her saying to me, oh my God, like I have wanted someone to just listen to me. And so she'll just go on and on and she'll talk about, you know, whatever is going on in her life. Um, and I recently did that with another friend. I, you know, going through some stressful things and I just was like, I need to get out of my head. And so I went for a walk and I just called and I said, Hey, I go, tell me something good. Like what's going on in your life? And she's kind of a similar thing. She's like, Oh my God, this is like a dream come true. And she just went on and just continued to talk about many different things. And yeah. then it was cool. Cause then I was able to chime in. I was like, Thank you so much for helping me get out of myself. And then I, I shared a little bit about what's going on, the stressful stuff. And then kind of like what we were talking about in the last episode of like, it's important. And now it's important for us to express those feelings, mm -hmm. the, the ones that don't feel so good, the stress and the worry and the fear mm -hmm. or the whatever it may, the anxiety, express it and then move on. Yeah. I think it's also important to mention here, if anybody hasn't seen the Brene Brown video on empathy, um, it's on YouTube. It has millions of views. If you if you put in Brene Brown, B-R-E-N-E, -E, and then Brown, the color brown, empathy into the YouTube search, it'll come up as the first result. I, it's two and a half minutes long. I highly recommend watching it because it, it also shows the flip side. Is like because sometimes people feel like if they talk to somebody that's going through a hard time, if they empathize, they're going to get sucked into feeling that bad and they don't want to feel that bad. They try to deny what the person's going through and cheer them up. 
or what what Brene Brown kind of brilliantly calls silver lining it, which is, you know, I think the example she gives is like if a friend comes to her and says, you know, I'm having trouble, you know, in my marriage, you know, the friend will be like, well, at least you're married. I've never been able to find a man, you know, and it's like kind of telling the person that they should be happy about something that in the moment, it, happiness is not the appropriate emotion. We feel like. yeah, yeah. You know? So that's the other thing too, is like by not, it, it's a, you know, and it's tricky. Like a lot of life is tricky, you know, but it's like being able to have that balance of like having empathy for people, letting people be where they are without taking on what they're feeling and feeling this responsibility to feel that bad also, or like just deny what they're feeling and try to make you feel really good and them feel really good immediately so that you're not, you know, made uncomfortable by it. I think, and, and it was an interesting thing this week, I'll keep all the details out of it, but essentially at a high level what happened was a couple of, a married couple um, that's been in the, prominent in the D&D world for several years and, and um, they do online streams, they speak at conventions, things like that. Um, it was found out by several brave souls who came forward that um, they've just been mistreating people at a very high level for most of their careers and, and keeping it secret. And one of the ways it was kept secret is because they sort of shamed people into thinking they were the only ones. And what we've now found out is hundreds of people over years, you know. And so I think what happened for the original victims of the abuse and, and then what happened and to a certain lesser extent what happened to those of us that heard about it, but, but D&D is important to us and we want it to be a safe space, was they were able to really feel their feelings about what happened for the first time because they didn't have to hide it and they weren't alone. There was this clear, like on social media, massive amounts of love, caring and support and just one person after another coming forward and goes, this is not what our community is about. This is a, this is a, this is a two off. <laughs> you know, this is a massive exception and we would never treat you like that. We're upset that other people treated you like that. Mm -hmm. And the problem or the challenge was if you to navigate this properly or healthily. And I think Brian Foster really helped us all like and he he quit his life for a week to stream like 10 hours a day to process this with us and to let as many people as possible who were just just telling their story, tell their story. Mm -hmm. Um is that you know we felt violated and that and that was normal like i think that was a normal reaction we were like the people who got abused were directly violated and never got to really feel supported <clears throat> or own their feelings about what actually happened and then those of us that were hearing about it for the first time felt like well we we work very hard every day to create this safe space of play and joy for everybody who wants to come join it and these two violated it over and over and over again and so we feel violated and I think it was really important for us to like feel that together. Like, I don't think the right thing was to be like, oh, la la la, you know, like it was a no, surprise. It was a surprise. It was shocking. Um, I don't think it would shock anybody if it was the political world or, you know, the, you know, the, the various worlds where we expect these kind of stories to come out. I mean, this is, to my knowledge, the only time that I've ever heard of anything like this happening in the public D&D world. And so, but yeah, that, that final day when he, when Brian Foster did the final um, stream on his Twitch channel, you know, he started out by saying like, this is going to be the last major broadcast on this. And it's like, because we are going to, uh, we're going to hurt ourselves more and help 
the two, you know, who are just doing this for attention in the first place uh, by giving them more of what they want if we continue to make our lives about this. You know, he's like, I, I quit my life for a week. My wife hasn't seen me. Like, you know, my friends haven't heard from me. Like, this is all I've done for a week. And he's like, I'm happy to have done it. But he's like, no human being is built to just relive trauma, you know, constantly. Oh. You know, like the way we become victorious about this is we take our focus off them. Yeah. We we support the creative work of all these people, brave people that came forward. And there was such a great in watching the streams, he would have people come on and talk about their experience. And you would think like, oh, well, that would just create negative emotions. And like, why would I want to watch that? If I know about the law of attraction, if I know about the line, like, why am I watching these negative stories? But they weren't negative experiences. It's weird. They were happy experiences, which messed with me a little bit at first. And I'm like, this is, people are talking about abuse and whatever. Like, why am I feeling good? And it's because they were telling it to people that cared about them and loved them mm -hmm. with surrounded by love and support. Mm -hmm. And the whole mentality was, how do we get back to a good place? Like the mentality was not the oh, traditional media, like let's just keep obsessing about how bad this was. Or not even just media, but just in general, right? Yeah, the habit a lot of us fall into, that I fall yeah. into, you know. Yeah, to and honestly- someone bad and wrong. Yeah, you have to pay for this, yeah. you know, all of that stuff. It's yeah. just like, no, created a, like you said, a really loving space and supportive space for people to share their experience. And, yeah. yeah, and people got to talk about, because he would never just have them tell their story. He would have them tell their story and then he would say, what are you, like, what do you do and what are you working on creatively and how can we support that? Mm -hmm. And that was the bigger point you know, of the thing was we need, we understand we need to hear about this and process it so that we're in reality. But the bigger thing, the way we're going to win out of this is we're going to tell more people about, you know, your creative work. We're going to encourage more people to make stuff for D&D um, with, you know, and join the positive side of this community. And that's how we're going to flip this from something terrible, which it was, to something that just has a hundred times more good stuff come out of it than the bad stuff that caused it. Well, and what if we, what if we were to do that, you know, with friends or family or coworkers or neighbors, you know, allow them to have the space to, you know, create space for them to share, you know, something personal or whatever's going on in their lives and then be able to, you know, take that in and sit with them on it and then be able to say, you know, thank you for sharing and, and how can I support you? Is there anything that I can do or what, what yeah. do you feel like you, you know, is there something that you need to do now and yeah. just come from that really supportive, loving, like, okay, what's the next step? Is there a next step? Do you yeah. just need to sit with this for a little bit or, you know, yeah. whatever. Wow. Yeah. Because I have a friend, um, that a very close friend who I is one of my three go-to people of which you are one of the three um, also. But uh, she's one of my three go-to people. Like when I have a rough time, I call her because she's incredibly helpful in helping me process it and get to a good place. And she calls me a lot for the same reason. Like I've said, and we joke about the fact that like when I seem to have something going bad in my life, she's like Obi-Wan Kenobi. She's this massive <laughs> genius. And then when she has a problem, somehow I transform into Obi-Wan Kenobi and have all this wisdom. Um, but, you know, we've been talking a lot lately about because we've helped each other through a lot of our roughest times and both of our lives are going really, really well right now. 
and we're joking about how the fact that we actually are calling each other less and we're not talking as much as we used to and part of that is because it's just so much easier when you have a crisis or a problem or something sort of that feels bad happening to you to pick up the phone and you know get support and again that's what you should do like i bless that but the thing that we're talking about is like how can we kind of intentionally kickstart ourselves to call each other when something really good happens yes and, and that's what we talk about here too right is like yeah. why is that so challenging and why does it feel so foreign and 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 why does that not capture our attention and i think it goes back to the whole lizard brain thing right it's, like, it's, it's just it's it's looking for the problem it's you know and so the the joy and the happiness, the gifts and all of that, it's, it, our, the brain is like, what? Wait a minute. <laughs> but I think that is like anything else. It's practice because yeah. what the Brian Foster situation showed me was that, and I don't think he, I think his overall philosophy helped this, but I didn't, I don't think he knew where he was going either. I think this is something that happened serendipitously, you know, because good, good shit was happening, you know, Yeah, yeah. but it was the good part of his streams got, Addictive is a strong word, but it, like, I was in my heart in a good way every day from watching the streams. Mm -hmm. And after a while, that, like, that is lasting. Like, I have, have actually let go of most of my resentment, anger, animosity mm -hmm. that I was feeling. And what, but what is sticking with me is now that I'm on Twitter and I see the people that came on his show and I see them talk about what they do, it's like my heart is returned to that same place that I, mm -hmm that I visited during the streams where it's like, yeah, this is why I love D and D. This is why I love fun and games and play and creativity and the people that, that are drawn to that, like I am. And so, I mean, I think if we can get into our hearts about that sort of stuff, it can become a pattern that. Well, it's that neurotransmitter. It's just created a new path. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But great. it's practice. Cause I think our brains are, yeah. Gonna just, default. We need to do it again yeah. and we need to do it again and until it becomes yeah. like automatic. Yeah. Because that other stuff didn't just happen that one time. It was like, oh, okay, yeah. here we are again, here we are again, here we go. And then it's just yeah. so automatic. Yeah. And so that's really what this is all, you know, all of this art of allowing and this just, okay, share with me what's going on. But then like, okay, what's the good stuff too? Yeah. And that was why that phone call every time when, hi, how you doing? I was like, Tell me something good. Yeah. Tell no, I was just going to say, that's why your your tell me something good tool is so radical and important and helpful to me because if we need to form a new habit, you know, if we need to reprogram our neural network in a certain way, um, it's a challenging thing to do. The grooves that are already built, you know, in your brain are, are challenging to, you know, switch from. And one of the tools that can help is just a small phrase like that that triggers your brain to do something else you know so when you whenever you say to me tell me something good my brain completely flips out of its normal mode which is you know like the default of if if you just put everybody i know in my in my whole life in a in a hat their name in a hat and you pick a name and i don't know the name but but I had to guess, like, what are what am I going to start talking about with this person when I see them next? 
a lot of times it's negative stuff. It's like, oh, I was sick yesterday or I uh, got in a car accident last yeah. week or whatever, you know. And there were like a hundred other things that went really well, but there was like two that didn't. That, and we're talking about the two that didn't. <laughs> I'll, I'll, this is a story, but I'll try to keep it short. Um, many, many years ago, I flew from uh, Chicago to New York. And when we flew into LaGuardia in New York, we flew into this awful rain, thunder, wind storm. And the plane shook all over the place. Like I'd never been through anything like that. And I, and I got a terrible, I developed a terrible fear of flying after that. And I didn't fly for like two years. And, but eventually I was like, this is ridiculous. Like if I keep doing this, I'm just never gonna fly again. And I, I like travel, so. And I went on this guy's website. He was an airline pilot. And he just had, he just created the whole thing for people who are trying to overcome a fear of flying. And he told, told us all these great things. Uh, but one thing he mentioned on there was the was the statistics, and he recommended just going to an airport someday, not to fly, but just to watch plant planes land safely for like four hours straight. Wow. And I did that once, and it just completely flipped the script for me because the data, like the news, never covers a plane landing normally because that's what's <laughs> supposed to happen. So what we end up knowing about planes is crashes. And they happen at such an infinitesimally small percentage of the time. But when they happen, the media puts a big spotlight on it. We talk about it for days. You know, there's all these like YouTube videos of like what happened with this flight and all this stuff. And it gets blown out of proportion. So our brain doesn't have the data of like all these all these things landing safely. Yeah. It, it has the data of like, oh, there was this crash 10 years ago and this crash five years ago and whatever. And, but just going to the air, just going to LaGuardia one day, just watching planes. Oh, that's cool that you did that. Did you literally do that for four hours? Yeah. Wow. I mean, I was really desperate. I was really scared to get on a plane. And yeah, it's amazing what we'll do. Like when I'm in a lot of pain, I, that's like the willingness factor. It's just like, okay, my hands <laughs> are up. I'm like, I'll do whatever. Yeah. 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 So cool. Well, great discussion. I'm glad, I'm glad we, we, elaborated on that from last week's episode. Um, thank you, Stephanie, for, for prompting us to do that. Um, so we're so happy, too, that you joined us here today for our discussion. Uh, remember that at this time we are posting a brand new episode every Monday morning, and we truly, truly, deeply appreciate you doing whatever your platform allows you to do to support the podcast, liking us, following us, subscribing to us, leaving a comment, and writing us a review. All of that helps other people find the show. We're super grateful to you for that. Um, all our social media links and our email address are in the description on the YouTube video down below. Um, we wish you a happy and abundant week, and we look forward to you joining us again on the next episode of Co-Creation Station. Bye, everybody. Bye.